it's it's a great time to be sober um <laughs> for a lot of reasons but um sober with booze i should say i always have to put a caveat sober with what <laughs> with booze oh, like with i can't because yeah. i <laughs> yeah. i do enjoy my yeah i mean there's different definitions of sober right yeah and but for me it was i got to a point where i was just like um and for me it was one of those things where i got to a point where i was just like okay the three areas that i'm like most crit that are most critical right now is like i gotta get rid of this belly i gotta get a good string of 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 like good psychological months like i just had like i think this was i think may was my best month psychologically probably in like six or seven years and so i was like i gotta keep that string going and financially because with my situation with my mental health i haven't been able to work and so all that stuff and so i was like all three of those things aren't helped by drinking beer yeah. right like if i want to get rid of this gut was made by beer <laughs> and i to get rid of it i gotta get rid of the beer yeah and you know and it never helps psychologically and if you're struggling with that and then with uh the fight yeah the finance thing it's, yeah it's a lot it's of expensive yeah so the, what i'm trying to do so i realize that this is just like like being obsessed with like sparkling waters is just like a replacement behavior but it's like a weaning off and then hopefully yeah. and that will be easier to curb cold turkey than like going back to like regular water will be right. easier than going straight from beer to like yeah. tap water and so, you know what i mean yeah. and it's not it just gives me something like when i go like when we go to the show tonight i'm sure i'll be able to um i'm sure i'll be able to find like um liquid death or something like that yeah. at the venue yeah, yeah. Um, Elwood, it's not so great. Or s these small towns where I go to bars and stuff. I'm like, what do you have? Not they're like, we have not uh, non-alcoholic bush. And I'm <laughs> like, no thanks. I, <laughs> I mean, it's not like I, I, I get me wrong. I'm not a snob, but like, it's still bush. It's a non-alcoholic version of it. Yeah, which is like yeah. not even it's, it's like bush without the fun. <laughs> and it's not even a tasty, uh, you know, beverage in the first place. Totally. Um, yeah, I get that. I think, I mean, worst case scenario, right, you're drinking soda water. Yeah. Like, not a bad thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you wanted to always continue, never progress past drinking soda water. All yeah, time. or even, and I've been into, like, LaCroix and stuff for a while. I got into that. That was actually why I started doing that. It was just, like, every two, every two beers, I would just grab a LaCroix instead. Oh, yeah. And it would just help me, like... Yeah, because you know I can get into that where you're just like another one, another one, another yeah, one, yeah, and another one, yeah, yeah. For yeah. a long year in a ludicrous song, yeah, uh, the Koi know. Life Man, the <laughs> yeah, life. yeah, yeah. And now they make them in like passion fruit, honey. Suckle. I mean, there's like, there, <laughs> it's like there is every um, every flavor. So Gretchen and I, we were in Virginia. And we um, went to Wegmans. Have you familiar with Wegmans? The Wegmans. Is it a grocery store? Yeah. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, this yeah. cult. It's the set. Yeah. It's a big deal. Um, and they have is crazy, it like a, insane versions of it. Is uh, it like a Whole Foods type? Or is it's it more like, like a... Whole Foods and Trader Joe's had a baby and it's okay. Wegmans. So uh, it's a little more on the nice end than... Yeah. It's not like a... It's not like at Aldi's. I mean, even Aldi though. Is I mean, like, Aldi's is dope. Yeah, no, I'm not dissing yeah. Aldi's. But no, I mean, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's like um, it's a combination of all three of those actually, because there's affordability. A lot of the brands, they're Wegman brands. Nice. Um, but it's also a little higher quality than Trader Joe's. Yeah. Um, I mean, Trader Joe's is fine, but it's right, Trader right, right. Joe's. 
Yeah, I don't like how like everything is plastic wrapped at Trader Joe's. Like yeah. you're like, I just want one goddamn bell pepper, and you have to get a sleeve not... of three. Yeah, and then <laughs> yeah, like, and I'm like, and it's just so much. You get home and it's just like your trash can's full of plastic, plastic wrap. Yeah, you might as yeah. well just yeah, yeah. So, so at Wegman, so there's like every known like flavor combination you can think of. Uh huh. And insane. Um, and I, I had a couple like I like I like um, raspberry. I like the berry flavors. Nice, uh, of my course. favorite. So like yeah. blackberry or raspberry. Like I've, I picked up a actually at Whole Foods, Polar. Um, there was a uh, raspberry lime. Wow, it's a very nice combination. Yeah, I enjoy that one um, for sure. Yeah. yeah, it's great. It's a great because uh, we can get into. And I think you and I are similar. Where we like good beer. Yes. And we like socializing. Yes. And so you can end up. The Venn, the Venn diagram just stacks on top if of each other. It's just a circle. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're not, if you're not careful, so well, so my Venn diagram, uh, my is like, how can I get rid of one of those circles and still enjoy the other? Yeah. And like, it's never a thing of like, I'm not at a because that's the hard thing is w- drinking problem versus problems with drinking yeah. is like different, right? I don't drink and I've never drank and drive. I don't. I pay my bills. I, I don't have kids, but if I did, I would take care of my kids. <laughs> right. You know, I, you know, I'm not abusive, like, when drinking, like, nothing like that. I'm not, like, a violent drunk. So, so then, but then there's also, but then those three factors I was talking about, right, like, that are subtle, like, financial, like, you, like, yeah. oh, man, I'd have 140 bucks extra in my bank account this month if I didn't buy any booze. Yeah. And... And then you're like, oh, this is feeling a little soft. This yeah. belly's feeling, you know. So why the mental health aspect too, right? Like the mental you're, health you're, thing you're, is huge. You wake me. up, you're in a state of anxiety, and, and you know, it just, it's a depressant for sure, right? And so sure. it helps it make that feeling worse. And yeah. Then, and then like, then you're also dehydrated, and it's a cycle of like, you know, the next day's shot. Yeah. Right. Unless you start drinking again. Well, I've always thought about that with you with running. Yeah. Because you're you're so into running. Um and do you have to kind of monitor that? Like I'm go I'm doing a big run tomorrow, so no booze today. Uh not no booze. Like I'll probably have a beer. Like a beer. Yeah, yeah, like, like no. a beer or something yeah. like that. And then I'm also pumping the water. Like especially like if I know I have a long run coming up. Yeah. Then, like I really monitor my water consumption. Like the three because like dehydration and hydration in general. It's not just like I drink a lot of water today and I'm good. It's like well, it's the three. 36 hour thing everything I've read about you know, oh really it's a longer drawn out thing okay if you're, dehi- you're dehydrated it takes more than one day to recover from that dehydration yes yeah and so like if I have like a two or three hour run coming up like yeah. I, I'll pump water like more yeah, than right. usual well that's where I learned my my LaCroix trick was oh man I feel so much better the next day if every sometimes every beer but every other beer I would have a LaCroix and it would just it would you know, cut me down two or three beers in the night that I drank, and it would also give me three doses of water. Yeah, and it's and they're snuck in. And they're fl- it's like it's the oh, yeah. it's the same vibe. You don't notice. Yeah, and yeah, so it's great. But anyways, we should probably stop talking about drinking. But uh, anyways, Larry, not, let's let's start this thing for real. Uh, yeah. So I was thinking in preparation of this. Thank you so much for doing this, by the hey, way. Absolutely. I love talk. This is, you know, just my mission of getting to talk to people that I like about the things they're doing. Yeah. And that's as simple as that. And I realized that 
in many ways, you are one of my most recognizable friends. <laughs> and it's, well, physically, it's because of the mullet and the hat, the height. Yeah. The mullet and the height. Yeah. Um, have always, well, not always, but the height for sure has always been a thing. <laughs> and then, um, what, what, but I don't actually know the, the mullet origins. How does one... Uh, how does one decide, uh, decide on it especially because you're not from like you're not like a i wouldn't call you like a redneck or like a hick or anything no you have you have uh certain qualities of the of hickness in yeah. similar ways that i do the music we like right some of the fashion choices yeah um but yeah so i'm just, it's always interesting like how did I stumble? Did you grow a mullet, or did a mullet grow you? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean. I like, I like to think that I've always. Did you wake up and you were like, uh, "Yeah, I like to think that mentally I've always had a mullet in my brain." <laughs> 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 right, like since a young, young age, I've always um, thought that I like physically had a mullet. Um, no, I, I think, um, yeah, you're right. I mean, I'm not really I never like middle of the road family right middle class right in, yeah yeah in, in elwood right so yeah did grow up on a farm you yeah, know yeah. I, my parents my dad and my mom are do-it-yourselfers anyway but yeah like, never kind of that mentality i think it was i always liked mullets and they were they've been popular in europe for a very long time yep and i thought i could pull it off about two and a half three years ago yeah at the time i was working for a bank and i didn't have a lot of identity that I could express. Yes. And so, yes. A mullet was a nice combination. Like, I could just rebel slightly and quietly over a period of time and let it just continue to grow into a mullet. And to be fair, you have, you, you have like a very fashionable mullet. Like, you know, like the hair, like even now, it's like, you got more like a sway, like a point break Swayze look <laughs> to you right yeah. now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is still in the territory, but you know, like, it's always interesting. Um, so you're in the bank and you're like, your hair's just getting longer and you're and like, so I was like, I'm going to, well, I knew I'm going to grow mullet and I was like, this is my departure from, so you set out corporate culture one. a little it bit. It wasn't yes. like, I, it wasn't I like I quit, I quit cutting my hair for a couple years and all of a sudden I have this long hair, let's shape it into a mullet. It's more like, yeah, no, I had the intention for nice. sure. And so it was like the lot, the back kept getting longer and longer and longer and the short, you know, I kept the sides tight and short mm-hmm. and then I, there at the peak of the mullet, it was pretty high and tight. And then yes, not as was. long as it is now, but a little, uh, but long. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, I'm just kind of stuck with it. Now it's, I've seen a more a day. Yes. Um, they've, they're, it's funny how, uh, hit culture has kind of gotten this resurgence. And I think it is, we'll talk about some of the contemporary country music that we like. It's partly because of that yeah. has crossed over out of the hollers and into the cities and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, you know, same way it's the same way with like, fa- I call it fashion camo, like yeah. real tree as fashion. Uh-huh. Yes. Um, which I car admittedly culture. do. Car heart culture. Car, right. car heart. I do that as well. Yeah. So I get that. But it's fun. I was just thinking about this because, because the two people I know that have mullets like our age that I spend time with are you and Jeff Nolan. Oh, and Jeff very Nolan different more. people yeah. and very different cultures <laughs> that year. Oh, and, I love Jeff but Nolan. similar way of like he he his excuse was I was like, well, he said, "Fuck, I already talk like this and I look like this. I might as well add the <laughs> hairpiece to it." Lean in, baby. And he's like, <laughs> le- he's like, "Let's lean into it." And so, in the same way you were doing that in your own way, 
Um, and now it's kind of become like part of your identity, right? Didn't you? Because I yeah. when you were doing like something with like mullet mortgages. Yes, my marketing guy thought it was a great idea, and I still think it's a great idea. I've kind of pigeonholed myself, and uh, essentially, I'm Conan Orion. The difference is my hair is not red and <laughs> wavy up the front, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's like Conan can never shave his head. Yeah, yeah. Conan, <laughs> like, yeah Tom Selleck can never shave his mustache. Larry mm-hmm. Nutt can't. Uh, and I'm not like putting myself in those categories, those people. But but yeah, you, um, we think like that now. That's yeah, how we think. Yeah. So I think uh, yeah, it was like we kind of leaned in. So when, when you're looking at marketing, it's like, what am I? Yeah. What that's how I differentiate myself, right? And and what separates me, right? Yeah. And so like having a mullet was one of those things, and so yeah. that's how we kind of it was an identity that I had. Yeah, and yeah. So um, and I still like the mullet. I'm growing. The reason it's a little longer is because the wedding. Oh, you're growing it. Yeah, so you're, I didn't. You're going no, no mullet for the wedding. I, I mean, it's like a month away, so it's c- kind of what it's going to be. Yeah, at this stage. Well, but to, seriously, go back and look at Point Break, Patrick Swayze, that era, of Patrick Swayze. I think you'll like. Oh it. yeah, yeah. It's yeah. the wasn't he on SNL? That's the Chris Farley. It was similar era. to SNL. Yeah, that was yeah. around the same time. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and. I mean, he's. I'm a Swayze crazy, so I'm, I'm gonna Swayze be. I'm gonna be all for that. So yeah. that's yeah. But yeah, you you are like this. Recognize you've always been this recognizable person, and I think uh, partly in our school it was always because of your growth. I mean, you were. So when did you, when did you cross six foot? I don't know when I crossed six foot. I know the number that I remember it was because uh, it was on the basketball roster. Um, oh yeah, freshman year, we I was six three. Six. I was actually six two. Like everyone in basketball, and especially they, high yep. school, yeah. you always like add <laughs> an inch or two. I know they had Nick Laser at like six four. And yeah, I was like, yeah. Like, I, really <laughs> I was like, I'm pretty sure we're the same height. <laughs> yeah, well, I was six four too then. Um, <laughs> it's all about scales, and uh, so yeah, I was uh, probably six two as a freshman. Six two uh, as a freshman in high school. That, so yeah, and so my guess is probably. Eighth grade, um, that's probably sometime in the eight, between seventh and eighth grade, probably when I hit it. See, seventh, eighth grade, I was like five eleven. Yeah. But I only grew one more inch. The rest of the yeah. Way. yeah. You grew several more inches. So you, are you at six six? Yeah, six yeah. six. Yeah. And you've been that pretty much since like into high school, right? Uh, yeah, I probably grew like a half inch outside of. You didn't do a Giannis thing. No Giannis thing, unfortunately. Where he was, yeah, he's six nine at the draft. Yeah, and he's, he's like six. Yeah, yeah, he's easily so I think, seven. Like for me, I was always taller throughout school. I was always, if you look in like school photos and stuff, I was always one of the tallest in my class. Yeah, and I'm in the middle of my class in January birthday. Okay, and so, um, and then I just kind of, I never had a big, big growth spurt comparative to everyone else. I just always was tall, and then I just continued to grow. Yeah, um, and and whatnot, and so uh, yeah, I would probably say. Seventh or eighth grade is when that. For sure, and so did, so, so then you ended up being a runner and a basketball player, yeah. and you kind of didn't have a try because you're like a six six like skinny kid, and you're from Indiana, and you're from Indiana. <laughs> yeah, like I don't think you would have. No offense, but I don't think you would have held up very long playing football. No, I always they they tried me to even play receiver. Um, I mean, ideally it could have, especially worked. at that level, but it, it would have. Messed yeah. up your body, dude. Yeah, I've got great hands. Um, yeah, and I, it would always be. I, I, I never really thought about it then. It probably been good for my basketball career because it would have got me into weight training. I kind of not that I was reluctant to do so. It just wasn't in my. I wasn't interested in weight yeah. training. 
But so, you were a basketball because I, I remember being kids because you were Matt's age. You were my cousin yeah. Matt's age, and so I remember, and he was like obsessed with basketball, and so was I. And we were all like in that group of that was just like that's all we did. Yeah, like yeah, going up to the Y, playing in every league we could, summer leagues and stuff. And, and then I because you're because of your skill set, you were also you know AAU and you took off on that. Yeah, and traveling teams and all that. So yeah, yeah, I think um, yeah, football was never in my radar. I think if I would have, if we would have had a bigger school, I probably would have leaned into soccer more. I, yeah. I love soccer now, and yeah, we, yeah. we would play occasionally, like for fun and cross country practice and stuff. Yeah, and you I guys were playing all kinds of. You guys, I remember you did ultimate too, didn't yeah, you? Like yeah, like Fridays were ultimate frisbee. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then we got better at cross country as a team because Nathan Criswell, our coach, it was like, "Hey, let's quit playing other sports like, hey, let's <laughs> do it, and like a little more serious about this." And yeah. Um, and it was, you know, we still had those fun moments, but, but yeah, um, ultimate frisbee and stuff and and everything. I mean, it wasn't even ultimate frisbee; it was a version of ultimate frisbee, right? It right. wasn't the same thing. But um, so, what was the moment where you were like, "Hey, I'm, I'm pretty tall. I'm pretty good at. I got good hands. Yeah. This basketball thing, like, you know, where you knew you were going to be like the, I, well, you and Landrum, I guess, were the best on the. On the team, probably. I uh, yeah, Starcher Adam Starcher was pretty good. Okay, too, yeah. and then so you were one of the best kids on the team. You went on to play a little college. Yeah, I did. I, uh, I when did you know that like that was going to this happen? is the thing that I should <laughs> this is the thing that I should do. I never really knew. I enjoyed it. You just enjoyed it. Yeah, I that's think, awesome. I mean, from like a passion standpoint. Yeah, I it was never my most favorite sport. Um, I definitely loved running. I loved cross country and I loved track. Yeah. I liked those a lot. And I was a mediocre runner comparative to, like, actual runners. Sure. Um, I feel like if I would have, you know, focused on it, I would have been a lot better. Um, I hadn't had, like... Are you, like, better now? Than I, not now. <laughs> I mean, I took such a long period of time off. Yeah, yeah. No. Um, I feel like if I would have stuck with it, it would have been a different story. And I, and also then you have, like, more specialized training and then... Sure. And then diet is a big part of that. And I never... That was, like... And that still was my worst aspect of training. It's um, hard. Diet is it's hard when you live I in like Indiana, especially when you lived in Elwood or when you lived in yeah. The, but 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 even here now you're like walking distance like awesome restaurants and, yeah. and stuff. You're yeah. rolling all the time. I like. I and li- you're a mile from Whole Foods, right? So which you, should be like the counter counter rate to that. But, but I go to Whole Foods and I'm like, where's the fancy beef jerky? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, like yeah. give me that rotisserie chicken, please. Right? Uh, it's like I want that. Yeah, I think those um, chicken tenders that were you know like. Like, so basketball was just I was good at it and yeah. I enjoyed it and it was a good pastime and I enjoyed going to like it's a social event like running is pretty individual, individual mm. individualistic right and you're isolating a little bit and um, you have a friend group of like your group with runners and it can be social but really yeah. at the end of the day it's you against the, to- the clock and basketball was more like a socialized version of a sport right like it's jazz it's declarative it, yeah. and everyone has a role and it like everyone gets their shot and that sort of yep. thing and so i enjoyed that i enjoyed going and playing at the y um on like sundays and well Tuesdays. it's like the ultimate team sport yeah it is Don't i mean think? soccer i think soccer probably is soccer new. too where it's yeah. it's this kind of like high v thing going on where everyone's like doing their role right we're like it's like an art well even football it's like 
we all know it's the starts with the quarterback. Like we all, know, yeah. you know, we're yeah. like I mean, you can talk about how much you want about everything else, but at the end of the day, if you don't have, a, I mean, at least in the NFL, right? If you don't yeah. have a good quarterback, then that's cool. You're just well, gonna, even in high school, though, yeah. Like, yeah, you, high school, if yeah. you don't have a quarterback, you can't do anything. Yeah. And but so yeah, so it's ultimate team sport. Ver- contrasting with this running, so you like your loan time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I do. I think well, the, and back to the basketball thing. When I kind of realized that I was like. I was always, I was very uncoordinated in middle school, and then... Probably from growing so fast? Pro- probably, th- yeah. yeah. And and then uh, somewhere between 6th and 7th grade, I was playing basketball at 6th grade at the Y, and someone noticed me and got me playing in the summer league, and I was like the worst kid on the team between 6th and 7th grade. Was it other Elwood kids, or was it... Uh, there was one other, it was, I think Adam Starcher was the only Elwood okay. kid. I mean, Tim Hovius played in it. He was a year older than me. Yeah, yeah. And then we practiced in this little church. It was a geodesic dome uh, in Frankfurt. Okay. Uh, if you're going to Frankfurt, have you ever been on 28? Yeah, yeah, I there. know exactly. It used to be Heritage Christian, I think. Not Heritage Christian. That's that's an indie. I can't remember the name of the... It was the, one of the Christian... It was a Christian schools. academy of some sort. We'd practice there. And I got... I played a year up. And that's how I... So I was on... That's how I like, played with Spike and all them, too. I feel like that's... That's how you know you have potential is like when someone's like, you should play a year up. You know, it's yeah. like in school when they're like, hey, you should be in sixth grade math instead of fifth grade <laughs> yeah. math. And I'm like, and I was like, yeah, yeah dude, I'm so smart. And, but no, no, no one ever asked me to play a year up in basketball. <laughs> I think part of it, to be honest, though, was they needed bodies. Sure. The, the scrimmage, at least. I didn't play much. I don't recall in the games and then so I did that enough and you're exposed and you just have to you know and I learned and I was for the first time I had like individual coach and they coached basketball they knew what they were talking about and then I kind of got more coordinated and then between sixth and or seventh and eighth grade I did the same thing again yeah and that really really helped and so I've improved a lot because I like I would have been they didn't cut anyone from sixth grade I would have been cut from the team seventh grade I like really oh yeah seventh grade I made like the B team really and then my eighth grade year I started on the A team. Yeah. And so like it was a big leap, you know, in that three year period. It was great yeah. because I was playing a lot. And then um David Tunnell was our coach. Yep. And so yep. um David kinda did some individual lessons with me. He was a big role model like everyone else in Elwood at that you know too. Yeah. And he was a big role he model was in huge my for life. Me too, yeah. And so he we did some one on workout because he played basketball in college and stuff yeah. as well. And then then I left the. I was playing in like AYBT. It was like everyone had to get a certain amount of playing time and stuff. And so I went from that leave to AAU, which was a different ball game altogether. Yeah, I never and, got into that racket. That's and like I, a I played for a year and a half, and I at that towards the end of my high, we're kind of fast forward a little bit. But then I, you know, obviously played varsity and stuff like that. But yeah, I kind of got burnt out, and I was like, okay, I know what I want. Like this is not my passion. And so by the time I got to college. Uh, I and really which one did you go to again? Man- Manchester, Manchester yeah. right? I did not enjoy it at all, and I ended up quitting my freshman year. What? What is that? D three? Is yeah. that? Yeah. Okay. D three. So yeah, I, I ended up quitting my freshman year. I, not that I wasn't like good enough or anything. I just did not enjoy it, and I didn't know I was kind of lost in my life. Too, yeah. To be honest, if, like, if you, you think if if you did if you could have sustained that passion and kept doing it, do you think you would have played and? Yeah, like, my coach had like. Like I was in the starting rotation. You were okay. And my coach was like, you know, your goal should be, you know, if you want to continue to play, you can play in any level overseas if you wanted to. And oh wow! And I did. I'm. I'm not sure that would have been cool. And maybe I could have injuries. You know, like I, you know, who freaking knows? Yeah. Um, 
but, but I you also didn't have the passion, so it's kind of a mute point. Yeah, at a certain point. Yeah, I didn't really care about it that much. And, and good for you for not forcing yourself to. I mean, it probably would have been better for me. Uh, I got really into drinking my freshman year. <laughs> yeah, and my GPA <laughs> suffered as a result of it. And, sure, um, sure. And I hated. And I was also on an island up in North Manchester. It was great. It's a great school, but I was not happy. Um, and I just didn't know. What, it was the first time away from home. I just didn't know what I wanted to do. Yeah. And so that was part of the whole fueling of like me quitting basketball and like you know and I ended up transferring out. Yeah. And then took some time off and then went back to school and then you know got my degree and the rest is history. Yeah. But. So and you took some time. You said there was a. You took some time off of running and now you're back into that and basketball too did you you're kind of playing but oh, are I you to. you pre-covid pre-covid i played like twice a week probably so what's larry's game like like freshman year manchester versus larry's game oh freshman year pre-covid I, I can i can't quite my my freshman year manchester i could really get up and like you could yeah I could duncan put, was pretty yeah easy. i put my nose in the rim back then okay um can't do that now um, you can still dunk. Oh, I can still dunk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I can still dunk, and I be oh, I could pre-pandemic. I'm sure I can now still. Um, and outside game developed a little bit. I've always been like a, a like a 15 foot. I can shoot pretty well from yeah. 15 feet, and then um, my ball handling got has improved vastly. And my foot, where it's funny now, I'm in the stage where like it's. I think you and I have talked about it before, but like the old man game, like oh the old I man game. Let's like, talk about it. Drop steps, and you know, it's it's funny. Um, just movement, and like I can spend less energy and be more efficient. Yes. And I wish I had this then. I didn't need to, and I was also yeah. not big enough and strong enough then. Old man strength is a real thing. When I hit thirty, I I'm not kidding. I think I'm twice as strong without lifting a weight. I'm like, I'm not kidding. I, like, a friend of mine who was, like, 25, I, and I was, like, 30 at the time, and we were goofing around, and he, he thought, he was, like, lifted weights, and he thought he was going to, we were, like, wrestling around one day, and at the house, and, and I just, like, bear hugged him and picked him up and slammed him <laughs> on the couch, and he's just like, what? And I was like, old man, strength, dude, it's real. It's real. It's the, like, way, the way the world brings you down it, so much, you have to... Yeah, <laughs> it's like, yeah, and you gain a little weight, so you, yeah. you get a little stouter, like, and, yeah. you, and there's something about it. Um, but even just, you know, I've always said the most dangerous guy at a pickup game is the old guy who won't take off his breakaway pants. <laughs> yeah, you know that guy, yeah. and you're like, that guy's gonna hit. Or they're like, not breakaway pants. They're just. Or like, they're not breakaway. <laughs> and for some reason, he's just wearing sweat sweatpants, and it's like 90 degrees. Yeah. And and he and he's gonna hit every elbow jumper. Yeah. You have to guard him. He's gonna he's gonna steal it from you somehow, and you yep. don't even know how. Yeah. It's crafty. You're gonna have to you have to guard him, and and he's gonna throw weird no look passes, <laughs> yep. and it's gonna it's gonna be great. And I, you know, when I was playing college, I play, played a lot of intramural and like pickup at Ball State, and and I was, I there was some professors that would come down and play, and I those are the guys I was like, this these are the guys that I'm crafting my game after. This is going to let me play into my forties, thirties, and forties and fifties. It's just this game, like, and it has become the old oh, man yeah. game where you just make good passes, yeah. don't turn the ball over, make your shots. Yeah, and you know, I, have a I don't shoot threes. I, I refuse to shoot threes. I think, I mean, if, if you grew up, if you're a student of basketball, and, like, I still love to watch basketball, and yeah, I have a different, we're gonna talk a about different um, uh, 
happiness about basketball than I did now. But I, my theory is that as you get older, if you understand the game, you understand, you know your limitations, you know what you can and can't do. Yep. And when you're younger, you don't know that. And yeah. so you're trying to do everything, which results in turnovers and stupid decisions. Yep. And it's like, whatever. The, now you play within yourself, which is the reason that, you know, it's like, oh, fundamentally, I know that I can do this and that and that, blah, blah, blah. Well, this is where sports imitates life, right? Yeah. It's like, yep. play within your, like, yep. no, live within your means. Yep. <laughs> like, know what's going, be aware. Yep. Be a team player. Yep. Like, and that, that's life, dude. That's like, yeah. you know what I mean? It's yeah. funny how that works out. Yeah. Um, so looking back, like, what are some, what are some, Memories that like stick out, like if you have kids, like what are like, and they're like, Dad, tell us about when we play basketball. Like, what kind of, oh. what were there? Uh, so, I would say, like, memories from like, if I was gonna like, uh, reminisce, um, I don't know, I enjoyed it. Could even be something you watch someone yeah. like Adam or Landrum no, do, or yeah, something yeah. Like I that. feel like there with my, let's see, my freshman year. So my freshman year, we had a terrible team. Freshman year, so who was the was so the seniors were like Clayton Whitson and was Kessinger? Uh, Kessinger was a year older than than that. So, so Kessinger he was gone by the time you got yeah, there. Yeah, he would have been. Uh, Tommy was a Eli Henson was there. Eli was his junior. Yeah. So senior would have been like uh, Josh, Vinny, Josh Vinson. Yep. And uh, Brandon McClish and Clayton yep. Whitson. Yeah. So three nice seniors. guys, not great basketball players. I mean, they were fine. J- Vinny was great. Um, yeah. Yeah. And Clayton was a bruiser, and McClish was uh, <laughs> all over the place, from what I remember. And I, I was, and I was like, so we had some other people on the team who ended up quitting or getting kicked off the team. And sure. we are, and Henson, uh, Coach Henson knew we were going to be terrible. And so one day I got called over to move from the the one court to the the JV freshman court to the varsity court. And everyone in our class was like, what? It, it, it was terrifying. Ooh. And I was <laughs> trying not to shit my pants the entire time. <laughs> and so, like, that that experience. Um, and then there was... Then, so, finally, it was I started my first game against Delta. And then... And that was, like, halfway through the season. And then... I can't remember who you were playing. Vinny hit a game-winning shot. Like, a game-winning, like, 30-footer um, at home. And it was, like, at that stage, people still came to games a lot. Um, and that was a big. I remember, like this. It was really exciting. It Dude, was the first yeah. time I really played like in a game that was people cared about. Yeah. Because um, in middle school, like your parents were there. Yeah. But that's it. Yeah. Um, and I then was, I was up in the stands eating Starburst. No, I was playing. But <laughs> I was still playing in middle school. But uh, so that's probably my early, like my first basketball memory that was really important to me that I remember now. And then probably sophomore year, um, we played we overachieved actually my sophomore year was our best is year. that when you went to like was it sectional did you win sectional no we went to we won we went to the second game we got beat by i Jay remember County. going somewhere because i remember eli henson was playing and of course i remember yeah. you were playing and uh it was like in a it was like on what like a not a big like a bigger basketball arena yeah. where there's like levels yeah. yep so uh, sectionals was it black it was our first sectional at blackford Actually, so sophomore year was interesting. We had a that was our best year as a team. Okay, it's also the year Logan died. Oh um, yeah, and that's and when Dave died and, and Ryan Burnett died. Oh um, my goodness, <laughs> I forgot those were all so close together. Yeah, it was the same calendar year. Or was that same same school year? Yeah. Um, 
And so, but that team, Eli was phenomenal, and then um, Henson was like knew how to coach us, and you know, Spike and I, um, and then Ryan Landrum, and then Starcher had come into his own at that way, time too, um, and we were pretty decent. We are good. We are a good team. We are a good five hundred team. Young, scrappy, we, and team. we are always a typical like overachieved against teams we should not be, and underachieved against teams which should stop. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so we finished five hundred, and we got beat by Jay County in sectionals. And I had my first triple double my my sophomore year. Nice. I was in Cinewall with blocks, blocks, nice. rebounds, and points. Yeah. And then, um, and then obviously Eli graduated, and then Henson retired because obviously. What a year to re- to deal with everything, and then sure. the Logan stuff, and then uh, so Hobbs was our coach, junior and senior year, and we kind of switched schemes and stuff. Uh, went from like Henson always taught us like zone. We were a zone, and yeah. that every and like good high school basketball, the program is ran from the top down. So it's like in fifth grade, sixth grade, you're learning the same exact basic yep. offense and defense that you would you're going to play by the time you get to high school. That way, you you understand it. Yeah, like yeah. Back your hand. And we switched schemes to man, and we were not athletic enough to play man. And then also there was some, like, egos between some of the players and, and Hobbs and stuff. And Sure. Um, I always got along great. Um, yeah, and so we finished okay afterwards. But Well, it's probably, it's, I mean, obviously it would have been better if you had a longer run there through sectionals and stuff but even just having a little bit of success and just feeling like you yeah. were kind of getting some cohesion amongst all that chaos yeah. of loss yeah it's probably huge yeah uh, i remember the first game because we canceled we've postponed one game um and then we i think we postponed two games and then i remember the first game back and i remember the first practice back that was really difficult yeah, because um, Logan was on the team. Yeah, Logan was yeah. one of our like in our starting rotation. Um, yeah, and so like because we had because Henson knew the future of the program was like, you know, Eli was graduating obviously and he so was great, cheery, but then it was yeah. you know Tim and Garrett Jones were yeah. sophomore juniors, yep. and then you know Ryan, myself, and Starcher, Starcher and, Logan and Logan all had significant played played minutes. We were seasoned beyond a typical sophomore. Yeah, you know, like I was playing you know a thirty-two minute game. So the goal, Ryan, the time and I were you playing were thirty minutes a game. Yeah. And so we were pretty seasoned. So by the time we were going to be seniors and junior, we would be pretty good. So m- minus, minus just the like loss of the talent, which is like the least important part with Logan's passing. It probably really messed up. It like it really affected the trajectory of it all, just from a cohesion and from a oh yeah uh, from like a. What the hell are we doing here? Yeah. Kind of vibe, right? I think I, I think athletically, our class Dave passing in the spring in the fall. Yeah, that was at football practice. Yep, and then Logan passing in the uh, the the winter. Yeah, those two things in both those seasons are athletically half our class quit playing sports after you know in junior year now it could be because we got older and you know you your life changes and your yeah, interests change but also I, like i think it made a difference i remember and adding ryan burnett in there too who was a good friend of mine yeah I just i just remember that was those first moments where i was like oh there's more going on to life than chasing girls and shooting hoops yeah. you know what i mean yeah. you get and like what is and so i think it really made people who weren't Equipped to 
to like interact with that sort of grief and that sort of change uh, and those sort of realizations, they had to do it anyways. And so, <laughs> you know, yeah. so some people made, I know people who made bad decisions that could be linked directly to those, right. one of those three deaths, if yep. not all, you know what I mean? Yep. And, yep. but I was thinking about when you, you mentioned Dave Tunnell being a big influence on you. I remember he was my coach in eighth grade too. And I remember, uh, the thing I always admired about him that I don't see in co- coaches now just seem like apologies to coaches. They just seem like fat guys on the sideline yelling. <laughs> and he was like, he would play with us. Yeah. He, yeah. And he was young enough too. He was like probably this, I would, if I had to guess age, I don't know how old Mid thirties? He he's either late thirties, early forties. Still. You that know. like, like I'm 33 now. And like, if I was, I hope I'm... St- if you're coaching, wouldn't that be awesome to... Yeah. Like, and I just remember, I learned so much from him just about watching the way he moved on the court, like, because he actually did it instead of being like, get in your spot, gobble. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not that. It was like, here, this is how you get in your spot. Yeah. And he posted me up, so that showed me how to post... Like, yeah. once you've been posted up, <laughs> you know, <laughs> by a 40-year-old man, like, yeah. you know how to... Yeah. And so I've always, I always admired that about him. Yeah. Um, and obviously that was such a great loss, but um, yeah. all three of those just, um, yeah, and that they kind of happened, like, all obviously, like you said, in the same school year, but also it's like the same, it wasn't like someone over here, someone over here, one over here. It was, oh, it was very the same nucleus, right? I mean, it, all, Ryan was a wrestler, right? And, you yeah. know, we were all, and it's a small and town. And Logan and Ryan being the same age, the yeah. same grade, that yeah. was always like, yeah. what? Yeah, and it was, you know, um, but yeah, I think, um, you know, what I loved about Dave is he was the first, really the first person outside of your family who, like, saw something in you and then, like, helped build confidence yeah. as a result of that, right? Like, yeah. Um, not that anyone else had not done that before me before, but it was But the first there's always someone that's like. It was like, oh, yeah, like, you know, I, I do have something special. Well, not something, I'm not even, like. Yeah, great. No, but it's you know okay. I mean. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you were you were of yeah. the people in our school. You were one of the better basketball players and the one with more potential yeah. because of some of the physical tools, right? Yeah, definitely. better. Yeah. And then also because of some of the skill sets you developed through work. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, rest in peace to all three of those fellows. Still, yeah. um, but uh, I might cut this, but I want to tell the story. So Ryan and I grew Ryan Burnett and I grew up across from each other until oh. I moved to the country. He moved to the other side of town, and then, like, a year later, I moved out to the country. But from, like, age three to, like, nine, we were, like, inseparable. Oh, yeah. And all the birthday photos, all the camping photos, he's there. And uh, when we were, like, nine, I remember there was a... um, Everyone kept talking about... um, a rally going on and i was like i know monster truck rallies those are cool i know rallies the restaurant mm-hmm. that's cool you know uh and so i was like they just don't want to take me to this cool rally it was this a kkk rally mm-hmm. i remember i remember very specifically so ryan and i lied and said we were going to each other's houses and we snuck up to the courthouse because it was at the, yeah. the old courthouse. Old courthouse and and we got there and it was and we're like nine by ourselves and we're just like the vibe is so weird. It's so sad. Like, looking back, it's like 11, like, racist dudes on the courthouse steps, like, just yelling yeah. about nonsense. And, but 
it was like they were speaking a foreign language because I didn't know what they were talking about. But but I knew it was it felt icky. So I like started crying and we rode home. And I got home and I had to lie and tell my mom that like some kids were mean or Ryan was being mean to me or something. <laughs> and well and then so then he dies and so I live alone now with this yeah. with when after Ryan passes, I live alone with this story. Because like, this guilt and and I'm the only one that yeah. He and I were the only ones that knew that story. Yeah. And then, because he never told anyone. And then, and so then I, I started. I it's been it's popped up several times in my writing and my because I'm just like, we went that was we went to, <laughs> yeah. we didn't mean to. I was like, I was like they just don't want to take me. You know? yeah, I, I, I can see the whole thing. I remember that very specifically when that it was like the last one I think of like an official one. Yeah. Yeah, and um, I know. I remember for two reasons. One, because I was fascinated with the idea of having a like it was a, it was a rally, you know, same exact thing. Yeah, and then two, because my grandmother, who was uh, the mayor's secretary at the time, oh, and so I was. Uh, my, I remember my mom. I would, you know, was around my mom. My mom is very close to my my grandmother, um, who's not doing very well. Um, she's oh. on hospice now and stuff. I'm and, sorry to hear that. Yeah, um, thank you. Um, very recent, and it's not not very long. Um, and so my mom and you know we're, we'd always hang out and stuff, and so I can remember my grandmother telling my mom about you know hey don't go you know so I was not allowed to go downtown. Yes, I was so and I remember my mom took me to a friend's house and we kind of drove in the direction and I was always like I wanted to see so bad. Yes, and I didn't know I just knew that the the KKK was bad. I didn't know. It's much the of classic it. little boy thing where you're like tell me not to do something and I'm gonna want to do, wanna it. do it like crazy. Yep. And I also remember when they used to. Uh, be, they would be in the glass. There's a couple years where they let them in the glass festival parade. Yeah. So they're in the, and they would stash them at the end. So I remember my mom would be like, noticing, oh, here comes the band or whatever it was that's like yep. the pin ultimate float. And they're like, and so she's like, let's go, let's go. Like, pack yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um So yeah. yeah, just a weird thing of living in Elwood. But it, I've always, I think of that story, the thing that always sticks to me is the fact that now I live alone with. We're getting some great, like, Back extra to- noises. I love it. No, it's no it's big like deal. This the, is what this is. NPR no, I love doing this. Because, uh, <laughs> so I'm, so we came down, I came down to Larry's porch in Indian. We were hanging out. And so we decided to do it outside. But I kind of love that. Like, in some of the episode, early episodes, uh, you can hear crickets in my garage. Oh, that's kind of neat. You can hear the heater pop on. Like, I love those sort of things. Because I don't think podcasting is, like, should, is a neat medium. I think what it is... Yeah. Capturing is like an authentic moment of yeah. conversation, yeah. and which I think is the most one of the most important things we have is conversation. Yeah, I agree. Um, I agree. So th- I I don't mind little things like that, uh, as long as he doesn't park right here and start blaring stuff. Yeah. Um, but anyway, pizza, so I think he's a pizza guy. Actually, I'm so only one fo- one fourth. Oh, he's a pizza guy. <laughs> I'm only one fourth away. Uh, we're like probably two thirds of the way through our time and one fourth of the way through my notes. So we're going to move us along. But, so basketball, you know, we we have kind of, I think one of the reasons we kind of reconnect is because of the Pacers. We t- yeah. You know, you send me, you love sending me Pacers memes. And we, <laughs> we uh, you know, we watch some games together and all that. And I look forward to the day where we go to a game together. Yeah. Um, But, so today they Big announced. Big day. Big day today. You know what? I know. You know what you So Nate hot off the press. Nate Bjorkren, I know this, and this might not come out for a little while, but whatever. Uh, Nate Bjorkren got fired today after one year as the Pacers coach. What? What's your initial reaction? I mean, it's the most 
first off, it's the most Indiana Pacers thing to hire him in the first place. He was in proximity of a winning championship team. Yes. We automatically assume he... No one checked on his, like, personality, apparently. Like, they yes. just... Oh, X and O's, he's great. He's a great, you know, great basketball mind. Yeah. Turns out he was a madman. Um, yeah. And not that great of a personal uh, touch. Yes. And, like, in the NBA, that's almost more important than X's and O's. Because um, you're managing egos. Yeah. And I mean, you're, you're managing millionaire, grown millionaires. Yes. You yeah. know, and and stuff. So uh, I'm not bummed, um, to be honest. I'm not surprised. I'm surprised the way it came out. I thought it, would, I thought it was going to happen as soon as the season was over. I'm surprised it took this long. I, I, part of me wonders if... Um, this is, and I was just talking to my friend Sebastian about this. Um, my like prayer hands and everything. The Boston news in the proximity to this happening. You know, is there any way we can entice Mr. Stevens to come back to Indiana? Oh, and and you know, it turns out this the Boston job is not really what he wanted. He was just they fired Ainge and they promoted him to the same role but he doesn't actually want to be in operations he wants to still be coaching yeah and what better come back home to Indiana than oh wow I haven't thought about that and I haven't I didn't I, I thought that, I thought he was pretty settled with taking that management yeah, position yeah I think I mean I think that's probably like he seemed like he was burnt out of coaching for I thought you were going to say is Danny Ainge going to be our coach I was like oh, uh, that's really interesting no, 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 no. Um, well the thing is there, so my reaction was, I, I'm all about context, and I, last year was not a good context. It's very difficult understanding of with the trade of Oladipo and Levert coming in and all that medical stuff, yeah. and then you have all the injuries and Warren out and for the pretty much the whole year, and then, and then. Uh, yeah, and then just, it's the COVID season. You know, it's, yep. you have a shortened off season. The season so, itself is weird. And so I never, I'm very rarely for firing a coach after one year. And I get that he might have clashed with some people. Yeah. But I'm also like, why do we assume that he's in the fault? Right. Like, some of those, like, I've heard a lot about Warren didn't like him. Yeah. And but Warren's never been someone. That is like easy to get. Like Phoenix gave him a, a twenty-point score to us. Yeah, they gave us yep. a second-round pick to take him. Yep, and and so I'm like, something's going on with that guy, anyways. Yep, because people are just giving away a twenty-point a game score. Yep, and could, could, could you imagine him on this Phoenix team? Oh yeah, they're, they're really really freaking. <laughs> well, actually, I can't because there's not enough. Like Warren is not the kind of guy to. Def- He's, he but he gonna, could start instead of Crowder at the four. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, yeah. I think, you know, part of me wonders, okay, like, I understand them canning him because of all the other stuff. Yeah. And also, I like, I you know, to counter your point about, like, firing a coach after one year. Yeah. Um, we, we don't, what else are we going to do? We can't blow up the roster. We can't, you know, we have, we're kind of pigeonholed. We have, we've got Brogdon and we've got Sabonis, our savior. Um, <laughs> oh my god, yeah. And and we've got, you know, Levert, Levert we're kind of sunk into him now for a minute. Um, but he shows a lot of promise. He does, but I don't know. But, so we have all these assets tied up into things. Yeah. And and we we're not okay, we're, you're not going to recruit two other superstars to come and play along Sabonis. No. Um so what are you going to do? 
and I partly wonder if they don't have someone in mind already as a coach. I would be cool with, like, D'Antoni is still out there hanging around. Yeah, because he's um, assistant in the Nets, right? Yep, at the Nets. And yeah. then uh, I think Chauncey's going to Boston. Chauncey's going to Boston. And so, and I swear to God, if they hired was it Stotts, the Portland guy, Yeah, I would be so it would just that's, be, that's the most Indiana move, to be honest. That's who we'll hire. Well, because didn't we hire was, McMillan away from the Blazers? Yeah. And, and, and then McMillan thing, in context, like, you know, granted, Trey Young is, is a stud, but... Uh, they're probably going to go to seven against Philly. If not, if to not. the Eastern Conference. But, yeah. So, the, so they're going to go to, like... They overachieved. Atlanta. But did they? Okay. So, yeah. now we're getting... Anyways. Yeah, anyways I want to talk about that. <laughs> but, so... Uh, yeah. Well, that's another thing is you better have someone in mind. Yeah. Because otherwise we're going to go fishing again like we did with Bjorkren. And overpay. When we were fine, like, I was the same way with McMillan. We got beat, we got swept by that team, you know, that went to the finals, and we didn't have our best player. Yeah. You know what I mean? And why not, if we could run it back with McMillan this year, and, okay, it's a mess again. But, because, like you said, we're not going to just all of a sudden sign we're not going to do like a Clippers thing yep. and sign Kawhi and PG. We're not going to be able to do something like that. So why not be a little more patient? If you thought that was you fired a guy that could have been, I think McMillan's a great coach. I did too. And I had not, questions about he's his not, defense. But. He's not flashy. No. Well, I think it comes down to is you need it. That's the frustrating thing about the McMillan thing is, um, and you know people change. You know, he maybe he learned something from the firing and stuff as well, and like that's why he's coaching differently. You can't, you know, take that into account. But know who you are. We're a mid, we're a, a mid to small market program. Yeah, we are never going to attract the top talent. Yeah, um, it, we have to either overpay for people or you know draft them on rookie contracts, yeah. and we're always going to be a four or five seed. Well, maybe. Yeah, and that's who we are. And so then, why are you? And we can make money that way, and mm-hmm. you know, and maybe we'll have one, two seasons where we overachieve. Yeah. Like, you know, and yeah. but that's who we are. So why did we shake things up for no reason? Yeah. Our path, if we ever want to win a championship, it's the 04 Pistons model. Yeah. Where you that's get fair. people that are like, Chippers. like all those guys were like, people were tired of Rashid. People were out on Ben Wallace. Yeah. Rip Hamilton got tri- MJ didn't want to play with Rip Hamilton. Yeah, uh, had Chauncey still in the end had, of his career. Cha- yeah, they had Chauncey, well, who's still, yeah. And so what we, they had four B pluses, or five B pluses, and they're start, five B pluses, A minuses in their starting lineup. Yeah. And if if you have five and a, de- a decent bench, if you can do that, then you have a chance to at least be competitive. And that's how we've been competitive in the past. Yeah. And I mean, that's why I made the playoffs and I think in a row. If your starting lineup is Malcolm Brogdon, Karis LeVert, TJ Warren, uh, Sabonis, and Turner, that's a pretty damn pretty good solid team, five yeah. when they're all healthy. And if they can all say, and then and then you and then we have some nice, we now you take Brissett from starting for some reason to he's he's like the first big off the bench with that energy. Then that okay, we're okay yeah. with that. And you still have our, our our beloved McConnell, and you don't have energy. Justin Holiday starting for some mm-hmm. reason. He's coming off the bench, getting you some threes. And then, but what I'm saying is, we didn't get to see any of that 
under any coach because of the injuries. Yeah. So now we're going to be seeing that, but it's going to be under a new coach who doesn't know. Right. And so, and so my question is, my real question was, why not wait two years with the McMillan thing? But now, but why? Yes, I get he people don't like whatever, but everyone needs to grow up and manage their own like yeah. Manage I think the, the the Yorkin thing. I think I think they probably two things. One, the off season was put in a you know speed cycle. Yes. So they had to make a quick you know if you rewind back to the off season. Well, I mean, they were literally, the literally practicing in masks. They practiced it. Well, and, and it was like they everyone thought they were going to have, you know, a normal off season, and it was like three or four weeks. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so then you, in con- you have to have a coach, and so yep. then you you make a real quick gut decision, and you got it wrong. Yeah. And and so now we're going to try to correct that. And I mean, it's other coaches have dumped their off, you know, their other teams have dumped their coaches too. And yeah. So there's always a cycle and. And maybe be fine. You know what? Worst case scenario, we are an eight seed again next year, um, and or again we're, we're playing the play in game. We're playing the we're playing the uh, the let's be honest. We're playing the Nets because they'll be the one seed until the foreseeable future. <laughs> until They're really good. Something happens. Um, yeah, that's yeah. The other thing too is like yeah, that roster you know Sabonis and in cast is great, but we're. I mean, parity is important, and look at the rest of the league. And yeah, um, it's a it's a superstar. It's a get your yeah. duo or trio. You need at least two. And you need at least two. And and so is Levert. Can Levert be? I don't because I don't. I think Brogdon can be a really awesome three third. Yeah, but I don't think he can be a second. But I think Levert can. I think Levert. Yeah, it, we basically just replaced Oladipo with like a Oladipo type. Yeah, and which is good. Who actually seems like he wants to be here. Yeah. So that's good. Yeah. Um, I think that's fair. And I think what you basically need to do is you need to every small market team needs to hit the lottery and they get someone on a cheap contract who overachieves. Yeah. Well, that's what that's what I always try to explain to people who aren't don't follow basketball the way you and I do is that like the NBA basically has three ways you get players. Free agents. Well, we're not getting top free agents. Draft well, we're never bad enough to get the number one pick or top five pick. Yep. So, so we're not doing it that way. And trades, you got, uh, like we don't because of those two previous things, we don't have the assets often yep. to do that. So we have to get lucky. Like we got really lucky with the Paul George trade. Yep. That both those guys worked out, and that we were able to flip Oladipo for Levert. So. Yeah, we won on that trade, and we won on the other trade. We got really lucky. Yeah, and we definitely won the Oladipo trade. Yeah. Um, Houston yeah. did not did not Is win there, that trade. I mean, I know that they were, you know, what they were doing, of course. In they just had to get rid of him, and but, then they, yeah. Yeah, what a train wreck. What but then wreck. their pick is, I think, most likely, if they don't get top three, their pick goes somewhere else. Yeah, the whole thing gets weird. And um, Minnesota, the same way, their pick is likely going to Golden State if they're not in the top four or something. Yeah. And so that, it's a whole mess, but we never had the chance to do that. So, but but this year we we kind of, because we're going to get a decent draft pick most likely. Yeah. Um, and and, and, and there's a chance we end up. Well, and of course our luck would be, I mean, and obviously you can't really judge a draft class until five years in. Yeah, but it sounds like this draft cost is down, and of course, the most Indiana thing we would have a, a decent draft pick in a, where the draft was only like seven good players. Well, that's <laughs> the thing is this is like so top heavy. So if we can like apparently it's like six like awesome yeah. six, 
And then, so if you get into that, then we're we're money. But then if we're thir- but th- you never know because yeah. we drafted Kawhi, I'm, yeah, and traded him for George Hill. Yeah, we drafted Karis LeVert and traded him for Thaddeus Young. Yep. Late in the later in the first round. I like that. Yes. Yeah. And well, but we yeah, traded but two superstar, like yeah. a superstar and a potential star for two role players. Yep. And but they were known commodities because we need known commodities. We don't have, we don't have time. Or we don't have the structure to like hope. Yeah. And and we yeah. And so we've missed on drafts. But anyways, to kind of, I don't know, put some. But so, what do you? What are like, like with coach, with this draft pick, with free agents or trades or whatever? What what is like a couple things? What are a couple are things you do? would do? If, I if mean, you were in charge, if I was in charge, which I love this game because like we're I, not qualified for this. Yeah, but it's I really mean, like, it's really fun. I'm only as qualified as like it's the armchair thing, right? It's so fun. Um, I you know to be honest, I think we need a, we need another like. I would deal Brog. I love Brogdon. Okay. Um, I love Brogdon too. I think we. He's got trade value a little bit. Uh huh. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I. I don't know. I think you run it back. I mean, you're gonna. Oh, you, you run it back. You hope that the draft pick you hit on, and he. Because we haven't hit. And he overachieves. You know, that's what you hope for. And then, just you know, you're gonna be in the six to eight seed, and that and that's what you accept. Because also we can't, you know, you can't tank. You can't trade all your parts away. You can do that in a big market city because you don't have to worry about attendance. You're always going to have lifer fans yeah. and these things. Yeah. In a small market like this, we have to have a winning team to get people in the stands to come to games, and that's yeah, how we make yeah, money. Yeah, yeah. And if that doesn't happen, the team leaves. And that's also just the culture of the Pacers. Also the culture, is yeah. But from like a dollars yeah. and cents perspective, you need to have... So you can't be so bad for three years. You can't do the Sam Presti model. Yeah. Um, and so I think, yeah, you you stick with everything. You try to make Sabonis as happy as possible. Yeah. Because that's the success of us Yeah. for the next five years, you know, is Sabonis. Whatever he wants, you have to go out and try to achieve. Yeah. Um, so where do you think that puts Turbonis, so, Turner and Sabonis? Do you, do you think he likes it? I think, you know, I, so it's funny. I think so, he likes it because he doesn't have to bang down low and try to. I think he does. So Bonin, or, uh, uh, Turner lives in my neighborhood. No way. Yeah, he lives at the, there's an apartment building down there. He lives in like the eighth floor. Um, <laughs> I don't like how you know the floor. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell, I'll tell the story about why um, I know that. But uh, anyway, because um, I'm a stalker. Mm. I used to be big on like trade Turner, trade Turner, trade Turner because mm-hmm. I thought he was overvalued was and everything and I was like we you could he, he was uh, a value in the league a couple of years ago you could have dealt him for someone else and now I think he's kind of I've switched that because A I think the rest of the league understands who he is uh-huh. and, and B he understands who he is now he's not doing sure. those things I did not like about him um, he's not going to be a primary offensive option he's, that's not who he is he yeah. thought he was for a while yeah. and, and that's why I didn't like him and now I feel differently about it. I think they were like the games. ultimate three and D center. He is, yeah, he's yeah. exactly what he is, right? Yeah. And and in this league, and we're kind of pivoting back to centers being irrelevant. You know, I mean, yeah, I mean, like, okay, the the MVP obviously Jokic is the first center since Shaq to win an MVP, but he's not a center in the way Shaq's a center. No, I mean, now Embiid is a di- Embiid would have won the MVP had he not got healthy or he yeah. not got hurt. Yeah, I mean, which is the but same he's statement still for him all the time, right? The but. yeah, Shaq, yeah, it's still just 
they're, they're, it's different. Yeah. It's definitely different. And so that's why I think that's why a lot of people call for the breaking up to bonus. Uh, yeah. Is because it's a stalemate. But, but but when you look at it, if you look at it on paper like two seven footers, you're like that is not going to work. But with their skill sets, it works because of Turbona, uh, Turbonus. Sabonis' <laughs> like passing, Sabonis's <laughs> passing, and Turner's ability to shoot threes. Actually, yep. both their ability. I don't. I think Sabonis is an underrated three point shooter. Now that I, yeah, because Oklahoma City was making him shoot them, and he didn't want to. But this is like, if you're open and you want to, you shoot it. And it's yeah. like, great. They both have the ability to do that. So that's great. Uh, if Sabonis is our center, we're getting wrecked at the rim. Yeah, I mean, unless unless you just lean into, like, we're going to go as fast we're gonna as we can. We're going to score 140 points again. We're going to score 140, yeah. TJ Warren's our four. Yep. And I'm okay with that, too. I uh, thought about that. That's why like, I think the D'Antoni thing is, like, if, if he mm. comes, Turner's gone. Um, yeah. We're going to hope that, you know... Gosha, Vitate, uh, uh, yeah, Vitate comes along and he can. I mean, he I only needs to give us fifteen minutes. Yeah, you've seen minutes, but then it doesn't matter because you know, you know. I mean, it's the same playoff um, problem, but you know, you're going to be bounced the first round, maybe get to the second round anyway. Yeah. So then, at least be exciting and put up 140 a game. And yeah, you know. Um, but yeah, so that's not, you know, I guess we'll see. But that's that's how I feel. Yeah, yeah, I like, yeah. Uh, but I was impressed with Turner this year, I'm going to be honest. Yeah. He started doing the thing, because it drove me crazy where he wanted to get blocked, like in previous years, he wanted to get blocked, but he always let the guy get by him and then would try to block him from behind. Yeah. This year he's staying in front of people and meeting them at the yeah. rim. Yep. And that's how you, that's, that's, that's the that's r- Rudy Gobert, that's how you protect yep. the rim. Yep. That's how you went. That's how you're literally a defensive player. Because you're altering the year. shots even if you don't block them. Yes, and you're not you're not getting ticky tack fouls. You're not giving up layups because yep. you got the guy got in front of you, or just like, you know, oh my, if I had to watch Andre Drummond destroy Miles Turner one more time when he was on the pi- <laughs> when Drummond was on the Pistons or the Cavs. I mean, yeah, he just, just destroyed. I mean, he was putting up like thirty and twenty five against yeah. Sabonis. I think for the for, in the period, but it was sake. a lot because. Sabonis was behind him the whole time, and I'm like, "Why are you like yeah. when this guy? This is one of the best rebounders we've seen, I mean, regardless of everything else. Stay in front of him, block him out, and if he goes up with it, meet him at the rim. Yeah. Don't try to sneak the, get these yeah. little sneaky blocks. Yeah, I agree. Block like, yeah. I always put you know oomph into it. I always make the joke if Andre Drummond was in the '90s growing up, he's our favorite player. Oh my gosh! Right, he, he's and, in, yeah, he's and, he's and a Davis he's a Davis brother. Yeah, he's the Davis brothers. brother. Yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah. so that's uh, yeah. So I think we'll see on the coaching thing, but I, I think it, it all matters the philosophy that comes in the door. Yeah, and I think the most exciting version is, you know, small ball. I mean, that's what we yeah. need. You know, well, um, here's another one that I thought was interesting. Is I don't know if he's looking to get back into coaching, and I I wasn't I've never been really impressed with the coaching, but I think the the market thing's interesting is uh, Mark Jackson mm. because he does have some coaching experience, so that's good. He does have the Pacers connection, which is good. Because I've I've been calling for why don't we try to get Reggie? <laughs> yeah, like because we've yeah. seen that that's kind of working. Like Nash is working yeah. out. Obviously, he has talent there, right? But he's right. managing that talent. Yeah. Chauncey's going to have a chance probably with the Celtics. Yeah, Kerr's had a great uh, yeah. run with the Golden State, like. Like, let's try a player. Like, uh, now I'm calling it. We're gonna pull out Rick Smith out of nowhere 
pluck them out. Rick, Rick Smith. I saw mm-hmm. Rick Smith on a dirt bike once. Uh, that was I think he weird. lives in Boone County. I that was think. pretty weird. He there was a dirt bike yeah, race dirt near bike. the campground that I lived <laughs> out. Yeah, it was a huge bike, and his feet were still dragging. <laughs> and it was it was ama- it was ama- it was amazing. But um, yeah. So yeah, y- come in with someone with good philosophy, and then um, yeah, actually nail a draft pick because we haven't nailed a draft pick since Turner. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, you got to And you, that one is even. You hope that you know that you can. I mean, it's also because when you know it's hard to draft to that state. There's so many at 13 look at those through 17. You look at those later draft picks, and it's like uh, it's so hit and miss. Like you just don't know. Yeah. And that, the reason that they're there is because the same reason that they're hit and miss, right? It's like there's questions about this part of it because if, if there were no questions, they'd been the top five. Yeah. Um, and and so I think that that's we've just had the opposite luck of that, right? And right. Um, but there's still guys that, I mean, Jokic was, what, a 17 or 16 round pick? Or 16, uh, 16th or 17th overall pick? Jokic? Yeah. He's 41. 41? He's the first, second he's the rounder. first, oh, second yeah. rounder to everyone. I thought he was the first round. No, he's yeah. 40, he was four, it was four, 40 people were drafted. Oh, it's hilarious. When, so they didn't even show oh, videos Taco Bell. They were showing a Taco Bell commercial <laughs> yeah, while the now MVP, seven years ago. Yeah, was it was the quesarito? Yes, the the burrito wrapped in a. Quesarito. You know, I, I really want the parody, and now that he's MVP, if he sponsor, he's a sponsor. Like, oh a, yeah, that a would be amazing. For Taco Bell, but they didn't even game. they didn't even show. Yeah, I do love him. God, they, he's great. Yeah, well, yeah. Let's talk about the. Uh, is he your favorite non-pacer? My favorite non-pacer. Yeah. Um, my favorite non-pacer, I do love him a lot. I do um, too. I don't know. I it's hard for me to pick a favorite. I like different. If I had to pick like. Let me pick like four. No, do a, can you do a, like an all NBA non Pacers team oh, of all, like favorite to yeah, watch? Favorite this, to not watch. the best team, but the favorite to watch. Favorite to watch. And so, I'll do mine too. Um, Curry, of course. Um, like Curry, Steph, uh, Steph would be number one. Yep. Um, I really like Jokic. I like watching Jokic yep. a lot. Um, I really, I really like Dame. Yeah. Um, it's hard to not love Dame. Yeah. And then, so we got two more. Um, probably, you know, I mean, I miss Clay. I like Clay too. Yeah, Clay. Yeah. Clay's good. Clay's a Clay's a kind of a a Pacers player. He was like someone that we would have randomly found. Yeah. That would would be like he's just such a good complimentary player. He's just such a good yeah team player. Plays yeah. good team defense, but uh, yeah. And so then the yeah. last one, shoot, probably. I mean Zion. Oh yeah, yeah. I should take you're on Mount Zion. So I forgot one person of this, and I'm going to kick myself later. There's only one person that I care to watch outside of those f- those five guys, and Luke. it's the only person I would want to watch. And I'm, it's freaking Luca. Luca, it's going to be Luca. Luca is. I'm all in on Luca Magic. God, you know he I'm is all in. He's also like. 21, 22. Yeah, he's 20. Yeah. And it's insane. But do you know why he's so good already? It's because he was 18 years old playing uh, against grown-ass and men. He was 18. He was like 15. Yeah, 15. Well, but he was EuroLeague like MVP at 18, yeah. leading the championship. I mean, the fact that... Against grown, the best league in Europe. Yeah. And then we got these guys over here playing... Zion's playing against people that look like me. Yeah. <laughs> guarded by me. There was that, and, was that uh, House of Highlights, like five, six, 
freshman kid that he was like playing yeah. in high school. Oh yeah, yeah they're like. Yeah. So here's the actually so yeah Luca 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 Luca, and here's the argument that I don't want to hear people having because I know what's going to freaking happen. So forever in their careers, Trey and Luca are Luke yep. together forever. Yep. And we're gonna have to sit here and hear about yeah how Trey and the, his playoff success yeah and you know it's. I just don't want to have that conversation. I, I, I like Trey. I didn't actually. I did not like Trey, and then he torched the Knicks. And I really like Trey now. He became like a villain. I love it. He I love him like, leaning into the Reggie thing. Yeah, it's, the, like, it's just yeah. everything I loved about he's Reggie. He's not afraid. The shushing and stuff. And so I do like him. But if you Luca is, he needs to figure out his foul shooting, which will come. Yeah. But man, the things he. I mean, they played the Clippers, arguably. From everyone else, respect, respective to the two best wing defenders yep. in the league for yep. the last three years. Yeah. Four years, maybe. Yep. And he put up 46 in game seven. Yeah, I, think was 46 was, or I think he was at 35 for the series. Yeah. 35 for the series. And that was, and he, and he had the nerve neck injury yep. in the two, you know, yep. uh, game, was it four and five? Oh, if he's healthy the whole time, they win that easy. Yeah. And just what was also apparent is. He has to get um, some uh, help. He needs a number two. He needs and a real not, number and, two. And, and the other thing that's apparent from that roster is it's not Porzingis. It's not Porzingis. No. Um, but yeah, so Luca, Luca above all, and then see the rest of that cast. Yes. Um, Mine's pretty similar. I would keep. I I love Zion. I would go. I would go like a like a Steph. Man, I'm, now I'm trying to think. Man. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think of your list is so close to mine, um, but cause, but I just have like the I love those second tier players. Like I love Drew Holiday. I do like Drew Holiday. I love like uh, give me a, get, I love two way players. Yeah. Jalen Brown, smart two way players. Give me yeah. those kind of guys. I think by the way, if I had to pick between Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, I'm picking Jalen Brown. Oh, yeah. You heard it here first. Hot take. <laughs> Hot take. No, I Hot love. Take. I, um, yeah, because of the two way ability. Because uh, two ability, but also because Jay, uh, Jason Tatum should not be shooting thirty footers. Yeah, one dribble and thirty foot. Yeah, um, he, yeah. Well, he had that one workout with Kobe and Kobe. Like exactly what I was going to say. And Kobe, RIP Kobe, love Kobe. Yeah, but that's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, I, um, I, yeah, I just, <laughs> just not a fan of. I mean, I like him a lot, but if I had to pick between the two, and I, I pick. Like those it. are my guys because like Sabonis is similar those like yeah. those guys who are probably like 20 to 40th best players in the league I mean yeah. I love those guys yeah, Mike I, Conley put him in there for me I love those guys yeah I do like those guys I also like uh I mean I like to see I like Chris Paul I've always liked Chris Paul's game yeah I think Chris Paul is someone that always got shit on because of the not winning because of the not winning stuff and yeah. it's warranted I mean it's, it's valid I mean he did underperform in a multitude of games that were down the wire and stuff but but also does, like yeah those, I like the way he runs the team. He's the last of it. He is like the dying breed of what his play, like his. Style. Have you seen the chart where it's like oh, yeah. the winning percentage the next year when he comes? Everyone, even the Rockets who had won like fifty four games, the next year they won like sixty two. Yeah, and it was like, I mean, those aren't the exact numbers, but it's that that same situation where like he can, is it causation or correlation. Is it is the team better because of Chris Paul there, or is it just a coincidence that they're better? 
I, I think we've seen it enough that it's not. Yeah, it can't and be I agree. A coincidence. I would agree with that too. Uh, especially last year in Oklahoma City. What the hell was that? <laughs> yeah. How did you do well, that? Well, you're gonna shut him down. He was like, "No, I'm playing." Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I like Chris Paul. I've always kind of liked him. Um, I love. Well, I like I, seeing you know from a if I like LeBron. I'm. I still think LeBron is the aging thing. Is that interesting to you? The people who can age like it's they're the, aging. I mean, what he's doing is unreal. He's also invested a, like a million plus in his body, right? But yeah, um, yearly. <laughs> I mean, I can't. But Chris, and Chris Paul's the same way. Like they just he switched to like a plant based diet. Yeah. And all that kind of stuff, and I it's really admirable. Yeah. It's a really. Yeah. Um, but what I was going to say though is in a in a LeBronless, Golden Stateless playoffs. I'm glad I'm 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 here for Chris Paul getting to the finals. Isn't that isn't um, that fun? This was it. the f- this is the first year that the that either the the first year since like 2000 something, 2004 or something that ha- that either Miami uh I think Cleveland, Miami, uh the uh Spurs and or the Warriors, none of them ha- have been will be in the finals. No, oh, yeah, it's crazy. Cuz one of them has been in like every oh, yeah. year. Yeah. yeah. And, and the outliers but as as Dirk. Right? Is that the last But you know? my but Miami was in that one. Oh, Miami was in that one. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so one of those four teams has been in the finals yeah. since like I'm here for it. I mean, yeah. I think it's uh, it's it's going to be exciting. I was just I was texting I was talking to Zach today, my buddy Zach and uh and we were I was like he said he's rooting for the Suns and the Hawks. I said, wouldn't that be an amazing finals? <laughs> I would be there for that. It would probably go seven. It would six or seven. Yeah. It would be an amazing, but the I NBA kinda, would hate it. Yeah, everyone, the media would hate it. And basketball is the entertainment. And it, it, that's the whole sole purpose yeah. of it's entertainment. But yeah, not, not that I think that there's anything but, wrong with that. But So who, what do you, this might come out when we're like at the finals. So <laughs> like right, here's the, my tinfoil hat. Uh, what, what do you think? What would you say as far as the finals? What are you seeing? Is can anyone beat Brooklyn? I mean, I, I thought so. But today is the ninth at five thirty. Yeah, I thought that if there was a team to beat the Brooklyn, it was Milwaukee. Me too, because they match up. And so. they do. And yeah. the first two games have I've watched both of them. It has been, a, it's they're beating up Milwaukee like Milwaukee beat up Miami. Yeah. And that's terrifying. That's and Harden is out. And, and they, Harden's out. And, so, and they got better when Harden and, went out. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think it doesn't matter. So I, I don't I don't think there was a the only team I think that could have matched up with them healthy is the Lakers. Um, healthy A D. Like that roster yeah. can go those those guys can go toe to toe. Yeah. Offensively and defensively. Yeah. That's the thing I think in Brooklyn has impressed me more than anything is the question for them was always their defense. Can they guard anyone? Yeah. And they certainly can. And then the other factor is the um, is Blake Griffin. It's unreal. Blake, you know. Yeah. Well, it's all these little, all those, that finding him, the getting him, the Bruce Brown thing. Yeah. That guy, like, second round pick. Like, let's see what that guy, like, yeah. that guy can play. Like, he's a, he's a hustler. Mike James from overseas. Like, right. they're getting these guys playing some real minutes. And you're like, well, crap, because usually your thing is, I'll shut down the stars. Yeah, make the rest beat you. And then make the rest beat you. Well, they, I, Joe Harris can score 25. Yeah. If you're concentrated, I mean, he just stay in the corner. That's and the difference maker. He looks like... I thought he was dead. 
<laughs> I mean, he had. He, I, I think I saw the stat. I can't remember. If it, like, it is there a year or the entire time he? Two years since a dunk. Yeah, and yeah. no dunks in Detroit, which is a funny like podcast since his, name. Since his uh, <laughs> third team All NBA season a couple years ago, that was the yeah yeah. He I mean, had a and dunk. I got you love to see. He it, had one but, dunk. But no, to answer, I don't think in the current structure that there is a team. I think Philly and I think. Philly could match up. I think Philly and Ball of Brooklyn are the two best teams. Yeah, and then everyone else is a second, like a a, uh, a two. Yeah, well, um, I think out of the West, the West is so wide open. I would be not. So, I think, I think it's either Utah or Phoenix out of the West. Yeah, yeah, um, uh, yeah. The Nuggets just don't have enough. I mean, help. the Jamal Murray thing really sucks. Well, and then Dozier's out and. Uh, Barton's out, and yeah. so you're like, "There's your depletion." I mean, so, you can only do so much. Composo's playing 28 minutes a game. And you're like, "That's a problem." I don't know when you're 34 year old rookie <laughs> point guard, yeah. uh, six foot tall point guard. Yeah, you're like, eh. "Yeah, he, they don't have enough." Um, and yeah, and I, I'm so over the Clippers. I think. Yeah, I hate Paul. Their I, starting lineup, besides Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, is Nicholas Batum, Marcus Morris, and Reggie Jackson. Yeah. The Reggie two, Jackson thing. Is, two of those guys were literally asked to leave their teams. Yeah. Right, the Reggie Jackson thing in Detroit was the laughable like NBA Twitter joke for a long time. And Nicholas Batum was the worst contract in the league. Yes. For the Hornets. Yes. And I'm I don't like, understand it. And so now I'm supposed to take these guys seriously just because they have. I I just can't trust. Uh, I mean, I can't Paul trust George. Paul George. Uh, I mean, which is I, funny because every time we kind of trusted him here. Yeah, I didn't he mind. he went toe to toe with LeBron. He, he really did. He two did. years in a row, and, and he still is a fine player. He's just beta, though. He's not an alpha. Well, ha- yeah, yeah. And yeah. and my problem with Paul George, I still I actually my, it's my favorite thing to my text my friend every time he's on the floor. Every time I see him, I always text him bad shot because that comment he had about Dame hitting that game winner above it. It's all it's Dame anything. Within around feet. the half court line, yeah, yeah, in yeah. his range. So especially when sh- it comes down to the end like that. Yeah. Um, well, I, I do want to move on yeah. the country music before we go, but uh, yeah. So, but you're saying probably Nets and either Suns or Jazz at the end. Yeah. With the so. Nets, probably. Yeah. It'd be hard to. Yeah. It's if I was a betting man. Yeah, it's going to um, be the Nets. Yeah. If it's not the Nets, I'm like if I had to, if a gambling Nets or the field, I'm taking Nets. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's yeah. I mean, that's fair. Yeah. Um. Well, what, one last thing with the NBA. So apparently, the ratings were down like forty nine percent this I saw year. Saw that. And I thought that was really interesting. Uh, I thought, especially with how everything was going. Well, I guess people are getting out more, so maybe they're not. You know, but and I hear a lot of people complaining about the toughness of the league and all that stuff, which I think is a little misguided. I think one of the things that no one's ta- I've heard no one talk about is the fact that the big market teams are the big draws are often on the West Coast and so they're starting games at like 10:30 on Tuesday yeah. nights. Yeah, it's hard to find well for me it's two things I think. I think there's three reasons that ratings are down. One would be the same, the, the market thing. Um, it's like the, the games we, start so late. Yeah. It's also kind of difficult to find how to watch games. Interesting. Like it's not like this easy, like unless you pay for League Pass because they're on like a million different channels, right? Like yeah. I, and for me, I, I just stream everything. I don't have, I unless I can catch it on. You I know, just HD. go to bars. That's what I do. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I once or twice. I that's I like once or twice a week. I'll go to a bar and watch a game and 
and then um, so that so that the the, t- the streaming option, and then the late night starts games and stuff like that. The late night. And then start. the third thing I think that cannot be overlooked is I, I'm a Democrat. I'm a liberal person. Oh, interesting. Oh, not that. I think a lot of I think a lot of it has to do with politics and the way they handle things. And I like I like Adam Silver. I think he's a great GM. Contrasting the NFL is the opposite. Yes. Um, I think that probably has something to do with it. I mean, because the same. I guess maybe not because the same people who would have the argument. No, I think you're. The same people who feel the way they do about politics and why they don't like the NBA would also be the same people who don't like the NBA because they say it's soft. So maybe that's wrong. Um, yeah, but but is but the, think, is the, the it, it's soft just a excuse so they don't have to say like I don't like all these I mean, black men with with powerful voices. Yeah. Back is to that the that diagram that, thing, right? Like they might just stack on top of each other because because um, I think that there is something to that where sometimes when people say it, especially in what I'm like. I know what you're wanting to say, <laughs> right? <laughs> and I hope you don't say it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, well, because they did with the bubble, they took a bit. Like we're being extra cautious. Mm-hmm. We're being, we're being, uh, and th- we're gonna tie it in with the Black Lives Matter movement, and yep. we're gonna tie it in with the George Floyd protest. Yep. And and they they didn't apologize for it, and this is what we're doing. You know. Yep. And contrasting the NFL, who you know. And every they gave a contract to Tim Tebow as a tight end, who's not played football in five or six years, and Colin Kaepernick still doesn't have a, a job. Yes, and yeah. you can't tell me it's not because of race. Yeah, and uh, because of voice and the voice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and so yeah, yeah. That, and I think that's probably has something to do with with ratings as well. Yeah, I think and, so. And also back in the the thing you mentioned, there's a lot going. Things are opening up, and and it's also. Certain states are in ahead of each other on like yeah. what's going on yeah. and acceptable, and it's all, and we've had a lot of basketball in a very short period of time because we had a short off season. I well, I'm lucky because I have like I have a bar near my house that stays open till one a.m. every night of the week, and I have uh, who and then they have all the sports channels, and then I also have a lifestyle where I can stay up late. Right, but if I were like didn't have those two flexibilities, oh yeah, there's no way I could watch it. Yeah. I mean, I don't watch as much. I, I very rarely. I watch a lot of the playoff games, but I very rarely watch a regular season game unless I'm at one. Yeah, um, but like Lakers Suns, every game starts at ten thirty. No, and I'm like, one a.m. I'm watching the end at one a.m. Yeah, and and like, yeah, if you got kids, you got work, you got like. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I usually, I mean, that's why like. NBA Twitter, man. That's where I. That's the reason I have Twitter. It's for yeah uh, the NBA versus the NFL. Noon on yeah. Sundays, yeah. right? Yeah, and you're like, and I've always thought it was weird. My friends on the West Coast, they're watching games at like 9 a.m. But still, it's like Sundays, and you, you're like, everyone's yeah almost available. You can make noon work. It's pretty easy to mark your schedule. Yeah, yeah, make it work. But um, yeah. So, but I still love. I just love the. I NBA. still love EA. Yeah. I just think it's so it's fun. It's my favorite. And it's my favorite thing to talk about. I, and that, in the end, it's the entertainment industry. It's, it is. It is. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. And 100%. so. And that's what that's all I care about. But anyways, so let's I'm gonna say ten minutes and we're gonna wrap up. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But let's talk. So tell me about the show we're going to. I know I've been listening to them, but I didn't know them the way 
you obviously know them since you you've seen them and liked them and yeah so inviting me to go with you yeah so we're gonna see lost dog street band which is a benjamin todd band him and his wife uh-huh and they have a, a bassist who has a solo album i can't think of his name right now um which is solid too and then uh the other act is Matt Heckler. Yeah, who I've really fallen in love with. I, I love Matt Heckler. I saw Matt, I listened to Matt before, and then he tours with him and Benjamin are friends. Yeah, they seem to do a lot. And he tours together, together a lot. Yeah. And then, and there's usually a, a third guy that is not on the bill, so I don't know who that'll be. Um, but yeah, I'm a big Matt Heckler fan, and that entire, like, that little, so there's a, I discovered Lost Dog through. Uh, gems on VHS. Yeah, and so it's one I, of those cool YouTube. Yeah, some of the Patreon where, the, they, do, uh, where they do where they do like they seem to do a lot of outside. They do like yeah, they'll go with somewhere and like record a song with the yeah, artists yeah, yeah. and stuff. And and Benjamin is a big part of that. And he's done a lot of them. Yeah, I, that's I think what he's I've been decided watching. like a silent partner. I, I assume. Okay. I mean, it's also Nashville and everyone like in that. They're know. hanging out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so big big fan of of Benjamin Todd and and he talked actually a lot of his. Benjamin himself, his solo album, and the Lost Dog stuff is all recovery. Yes, yes. Um, Which is cool. That is, Um, yeah. And I'm just a big fan of, so he was someone, so he's got the the tattoo on his neck, which is a zip code, and that is like the hobo zip code. And so he would hop rail lines um, a lot. And so, um, like, from, you know, wherever, getting on a train car in 20... 20 and you know still doing this now um and so the, that's why he has the zip code tattoo that's amazing so. uh yeah i'm really excited uh you know we connected i think the first time we were like as we were kind of reconnecting was over sturgill simpson when he yes, did the when sturgill. he announced the uh bluegrass albums yeah and that's kind of the first reconnect and so it has me wondering because um because i because i often get into little not tips but just like i'm just a little frustrated when people say like all country music today sucks and i'm like no the country music you hear on the like your radio sucks right your luke bryan's and your i i I have to i have to trash luke bryan because i absolutely can't stand luke bryan and he's my least favorite but it's that kind of stuff the the butt rock version of country music (laughs) that you don't like (laughs) yeah and so, but you can't say because there's a lot of really good stuff out there. Yeah, and so it make, but it makes me wonder, like, what's what is that line, or what makes a good contemporary country musician versus uh, a butt rock, what I call butt rock country mm-hmm. music? I feel like it's a very fun. So it's funny. I I struggle with the same thing when I tell people like, well, like we talk about what kind of what's your favorite music or whatever, and it's really hard to describe to someone that like when I say oh, I like country music, but. I am very specific in saying that I don't like mainstream country music, and so yeah. I struggle to. Call, I usually call it like indie country is the way I would describe or, it. Yeah, I, I'll say um, it like that. I, I've used outlaw alt country. Yeah, alt country. I use that too. Outlaw I have country. A, I have an alt country, not alt fact shirt. Yeah, which I, <laughs> I really like. like. I like that. <laughs> um, I like that. Yeah, I say. I mean, um, I I feel the same way. I don't. I mean, I, I have this weird, like, I grew up listening to all kinds of classic rock, and my parents listened to this classic is, rock. That was one of my questions, too, yeah. yeah. Did you grow up listening to country? Uh, not so. Dwight Yoakam a lot. We were not a lot of 90s country. Yeah, not a lot of, like, pure country. Yeah. Um, and then that was kind of it. And my, I think the other influence, looking back on it, is um, 
my grandparents, every, my grandfather would always control the radio and I would spend a lot of, I have young grandparents and I would spend a lot of time with them on the weekends and driving around. We'd go to lake, go fishing and okay. stuff. And my grandfather was a big Roy Orbison fan and would always listen to Roy Orbison and Elvis and like that's about it. Yeah. And so if you look back like on, you know, the country artists that I like, a big influence on them would be people like Roy. Oh, interesting. And, and Hank Sr. and yep. all these things. And yep. so like I grew up listening to that kind of country, not country, but like, I mean, it was considered rock or whatever you want to call sure, it. Sure, sure. Um, and that has so much in a, a vein of where I ended up in my yeah. music preference, yeah. I think. Um, I mean, Sturgill matches up very similar. Some of the, especially the Sailor's Guide album, is very similar to yeah. if Roy was to put an album out today. Well, that's my favorite thing about Sturgill is that he keeps pushing, like, what... He keeps pushing this what is country and also what am I as a country musician. Yeah. Where, like, I... It's it's not my favorite album, but, like, that... Is it uh, the, the one that he did with the mushroom cloud on the front? Oh, um, uh, you're... Um yeah, no, that's one of the. I'm just thinking of songs. Metam like, metamorphic uh, sounds. Um, no, metamorphic sounds country yeah. music. No, you're talking after that. Um, the, yeah. the one that sounds like a uh, like a Nine Inch Nails a, album. It's a blues album, like a rock album. <laughs> it sounds like a Nine Inch Nails album. Like it's like industrial. Yeah. It's like it's and very, there was like a anime movie yeah, that was, was made in. Yeah. And so, but the point is, is like he went from like a country album to this kind of like uh, psychedelic country sound to that and then he went to bluegrass you yeah. know and like and i love that he's like no it's the modern world so we're gonna have all these influences yeah like i like anime and i like hank williams yeah. like you know those yeah. kind of things yeah, you're right and i think that that is what versus these these weird radio country people are still trying to pass off that they like are driving around in pickup trucks. When you slap a twang on it, singing about a pickup truck. Yeah, yeah and it's like you don't live like that. No. Like, yeah. and you so, live in a four bedroom so walk up. Like. What I like <laughs> is that you're like, that like it's like honoring the the reality, the context of what of like how people actually live. Where like like I like the Jackson Five and okay. and I like Alan Jackson. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, like yeah, I like, that. I like uh, that. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I think what I love about I mean, my what I love about Sturgill specifically is exactly what you said. He's this. He's also someone who's like socially aware. Yep. Um, which is also very important to me in my country music. Yeah. And I feel and you got some I'll, good ones to pick from nowadays. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, like we talked. I think uh, you and I've talked about Shara Shook before. Yeah, I love Shara um, Shook. I just got tickets. You see, she's coming. I did. I did. Um, but yeah, and Tyler Childers, of course, and all these like, and Margot Price basically bucking the trend of like we don't care about the CMAs. I mean that's my favorite Sturgill story is he busked out front of the CMAs and raised money for the uh, ACLU. That's amazing. And he was, they asked him to present the Dwight Yoakam Lifetime Achievement Award and he said no because you don't represent country music. Yeah, yeah. And instead he played outside which is the, my favorite Sturgill story. Sure, sure. But that's important to me. And so, and that, that comes from the school of John Prine, right? Like Yes. Um, yeah, they are all that lineage of prime yeah for sure um where yeah where it's a little more for lack of a better term it's more thoughtful yeah. it's more like childers tyler childers did that long violent history album yes um after the brianna taylor murder um and it was that same sort of thing where 
you know, it was something. He's from Kentucky, and it was yep. like, and he so he was thinking about that, and he addressed it, and he addressed it in this really interesting way, and he did that video with it where he's really yep. thoughtful, and yep. he and he was really uncomfortable. He was really uncomfortable. He didn't want to do it, no, but he did it, yeah, and. Yes, it would be. E- Sturgill could have just handed out that award and put on his suit and hand out that award, and it would have probably been easier. Yep. But um, so there's, yeah, that's. I think, I think, in that go, it's funny how that stuff is, that's considered more liberal is also more tied to the like the working man country. That's like, like the work is being put into that. Yeah. Like there's work, real work being done. Um, yeah, and it's it's amazing. So, um, I yeah, I have this playlist that I've been working on for like eight years called country, "Contemporary Country Music Doesn't Have to Suck." It's on Spotify, and I it's like got hundreds of songs now. Because yeah. anytime I just find something like a Benjamin Todd or something yeah. like that, where I'm like, oh, there's something here, and yeah. you can tell. And yeah. that that question that I asked you, what what makes a good contemporary country musician, is kind of impossible because it's just it's an intangible. Right. It's an ear test. I think it's for me. It's it's also like a whether it's they're playing a character or it's genuine. Um, it just it's like the what was the we're a little too young for this, but the pornography statement like I know it when I see it. Yeah, kind of thing, and that's kind of the way I feel. Like the the Cat Clyde has a new album out. With Jeremy Al, Albino, I think his last name Alberno. Okay, I'm butchering that last name, but it's it's a great new album came out like last week. Cool, and I've always liked Cat Clyde, but she's another one that's like very um, in the same vein of these things. And it's not like I don't know, it's kind of counterculture, but it's not. Yeah, and it actually is for me. It's this Russell that I've always had. Like I like growing up listening to Merle Haggard, for instance. Yeah, Merle Haggard is someone that is not a nice person. Yeah, um, yeah, and dude. I used to sing along to David Allen Coe. Yeah, David Allen Coe, another <laughs> another example. And so I have this weird like, how do I wrestle with this like of music? Well, our generation is like one of the first generations that started caring about people beyond their the stuff. Like, yep. caring about the holistic like, and you know, it gets a, away from us sometimes with this like uber cancel culture stuff. Right. It gets away from us sometimes. But we are actually holding people accountable as public figures. Yes. We're like the first generation that did that. Yep. Um, and, I mean, our parents' generation had a long time to do that with Cosby. We had a lot <laughs> a lot of time. But it's, it's a, there's a reason why it happened when it did. Yeah. You know? And, and so I think, um, I think that's part of it, too. And thus, our, I think our generation is also the first generation that's like, holding ourselves accountable yeah we're like what choices am i making to better my community yep and um and i think yeah and i think that's it's really exciting for country music yeah because now we're getting some really interesting like you mentioned margo her last album that sturgill uh produced was strange yeah and but yeah you know all this stuff yeah and so i i'm just interested in how that is developing and continues to develop and yeah. I'm happy to have a friend to share that with yeah uh, so well anyways sorry that this I went a little over on oh it's fine but um but I do want to uh, end the way I try to end every episode with a gratitude moment where we take a moment to just think of something we're grateful for today I think 
in this world we don't often take the time to take a breath and just think of like every i started this thing recently and i really like it where i have a sticky note i have a bucket and a, a sticky notepad next to my bed and before i get out of bed every morning i write something on that sti- a sticky note and throw it in the bucket that i'm grateful for mm-hmm. um so this is that kind of version of doing that on a podcast yeah like um that. so yeah what's something you're thankful for larry i, I would say right now i'm dealing with some family stuff as far as illness and so i'm thankful for the time that i got to spend with that person yes um, and the impact they had on my life and reflecting yeah. on how that i'll put that into maybe if i have a child someday and, and that sort of thing so i would say family and my especially in a coming out of a pandemic like we have been and not really yeah. being around family for very much it's it's nice to realize they're still there and, and stay connected with them yeah for sure. Yeah, and you know, I think mine's similar to that. It's something I've been thinking about a lot recently. You know, I have friend, I just went to a friend's uh, mother's funeral today. Mm. Um, I, w- you know, that, you know, I have had, I have a friend that's going through a divorce, but then on the flip side, I have a friend who just had a baby. I have a couple friends who just had a baby, uh, and I got to meet that baby today at that funeral. Oh, wow. And so I just think of stuff like that where, um, now that we're out of this COVID thing, it makes me realize how much I missed and how much I'm grateful for the opportunity to be able to be with people, even just like this, being yeah. able to be with you and have this conversation on your porch, being able, because we could have done this over Zoom, but it's just not the same, right? right? And it's the same way, like, we buried my grandfather during the pandemic, and it's just not the same. Everyone trying to, like, wear masks in and out real quick versus just kind of lingering, catching mm-hmm. up with people, that's a way to celebrate a life as well. And so... um the opportunity to just be with people again uh, during their their celebrations and during their uh, sorrows is just really important, and I'm just really thankful for that. Yeah, so, absolutely. Um, well, thank you, Larry Nutt. Thank you, Tyler Gowell. Let's go to our show. Yeah. One last piece of gratitude before we go. I want to say thanks again to our guests for being on the show and thanks y'all for listening and hopefully sharing and following along. Um, And I also want to say thanks as always to Landon Caldwell, a.k.a. Creeping Pink, for letting us use his song uh, Free Yourself as the opening track and to Derek Crownover for letting us use his piece Float as the cover image for the podcast. So thanks to everyone who has any part in this, who supports this, uh, and thank you for being here.